Welcome everyone to Resurrection Life Church in Cadillac, Michigan. Thank you for joining us today. We're so glad to have you with us and we pray that you encounter God's goodness through the message today. Hey, we're in a series um, called Unfinished. Say unfinished. Because we are works in progress. We are works in progress progress. Amen? That should, yeah, that should make us laugh, right, Jim? That should make us laugh a little bit, but that should also give us a lot of um, comfort because we don't have to be this perfect end result right now. We're just working through a lot of stuff in our lives. God knows it. So we're traveling through the book of Nehemiah. He was commissioned to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. They had been destroyed by the enemy. So this series is about making spiritual progress and, and just as important, it's about fortifying, rebuilding, and creating defensive works against the attacks of a real spiritual enemy. And we are not naive concerning the enemy. He wants to break into our lives, cause havoc, chaos, and destruction. So God has given us the ability and responsibility to shut the door on our adversary. To start, let me say this. We will protect what we love. Now, we started all three messages out with a phrase. The first one saying, we will pray for what we love. That's true. We will provide for what we love. And we will protect what we love. It's just true, right? Mama bear, papa bear. I've seen this come up throughout my life with my children, with Emily, with my church family. I can get pretty protective pretty quick. Maybe that's a natural thing. It's because I love them. I love them. And so that's, that's I've noticed times in, in my life when, when that's come up. And, and um, I, I'm learning, to, learning to, to have God temper that sometimes. Uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll show you in a minute what, what I mean by that. Because you and I will naturally protect what and who we love. Nehemiah thought to himself, what if the city that I love and the people that I love couldn't have a place to worship the God I love? So he also got protective pretty quick. You know, God is like that, a defender, a protector. 2 Samuel 22.3 says this, uh, my God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield the power that saves me in my place of safety. He is my refuge, my savior, the one who saves me from violence. He protects us because he loves us. Sometimes we think Jesus was just a guy that was frolicking through a field with a daisy in his hair spreading love, but he may have been born in a manger, but he was trained in an octagon. Jesus is the toughest fighter, defender, protector to have ever lived. And when he returns, he's coming with a sharp sword thundering from heaven, lighting up the sky from the east, looking to obliterate the enemy. That's Jesus. He protects us because he loves us. And Nehemiah responded that way uh, in, in this story. Let's continue to read about this journey. He says this in Nehemiah 2, 9 through 20. He says, when I came to the governors of the province west of the Euphrates River, I delivered the king's letters to them. The king, I should add, 
had sent along army officers and horsemen to protect me. Here we go. When Sanballat, say Sanballat, any Sanballats here today? I'm not sure if that's a common name, 2022. Um, the Hornite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard of my arrival. They were very displeased that someone had come to help the people of Israel. So I arrived in Jerusalem, he says, three days later. I slipped out during the night, taking only a few others with me. And I, don't, I, I had not told anyone about the plans God put in my heart for Jerusalem. We took no pack animals with us except the donkey I was riding. After dark, I went out to the valley gate, past the jackal's wall and over to the dung gate to inspect the broken walls and burned gates. Then I went to the fountain gate, the king's pool, but my donkey couldn't get through the rubble. So though it was still dark, I went up to the Kidron Valley instead of inspecting the wall before. I turned back and entered again at the valley gate. The city officials did not know I'd been out there or what I was doing for I'd not yet said anything to anyone about my plans. Let me just, just stop there a moment. Have you, ever, have you ever been given a plan from God? Have you ever been given a strategy from God? Like about something that just needed some fixing? You ever, you know, come on, right? Like, like you asked for God for wisdom. He's like, wow. and you all of a sudden you began to, you got it? And he's telling us, whenever you get a strategy or plan, don't, don't go telling just everyone. Come on, keep it to yourself for a moment. Keep it to yourself for a moment. Because sometimes you, 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 could, you can throw that strategy out there uh, for the enemy to hear first. He doesn't need to hear your strategy. He doesn't need to know it. And sometimes we can give it to people that aren't ready to hear it. That's just a little side note. Yeah, is it okay right there? Okay. He hadn't spoken to the Jewish leaders and priests and nobles, the officials, or anyone else in the administration. Verse 17. But now I said to them, you know very well what trouble we are in. Now he tells them we're in trouble. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. A couple weeks ago we said that uh, awareness is curative. Let's remember that. In other words, these officials had been living in, in, around this ruins and they weren't doing anything about it. They were almost comfortable with this stuff, right? It's like, oh, I, I guess this is our lot. I guess this is what, what we're, how we're supposed to live. It wasn't until Nehemiah showed up and said, hey, hey, you guys, wake up. Wake up. <laughs> things aren't like you think they are. Awareness is curative. Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. Verse 18, then I told them about how the gracious hand of God has been on me and about my conversation with the king. They replied at once, yes. Let's rebuild the wall. So they began the good work. Okay, here we go again. But when Sanballat, say Sanballat, Tobiah and Geshem the Arab heard of our plan. They heard of the plan. They scoffed contemptuously. What are you doing? Are you rebelling against the king? They asked, here we go, verse 20, and we'll end here. I replied, the God of heaven will help us succeed. We, his servants, will start rebuilding this wall, but you have no share, legal, right, or historic claim in Jerusalem. Woo! Isn't that true? God gives you a job to do. You get excited about it. Things start coming together. And then the boo-birds show up. The boo-birds. They usually don't have anything good to say. Boo, boo, boo. 
They've come to stop you from accomplishing God's plan. Let me show you today some great things to know when it comes to overcoming adversity. Because we've all been in it. Some of you are in it right now, and I realize some of us will be in it in the future. That's just the way it is. Adversity. Say adversity. Just resistance. Uh, Nehemiah 2.19, but when Sanballat, whoo, Tobiah, and Geshem, the Arab, heard of our plan, they scoffed contemptuously. What are you doing? Are you rebelling against the king, they asked? One version says, they laughed us to scorn and despised us. In other words, they came hard at Nehemiah. See, when doing something, anything good for God, just know this, sand ballots are going to come. They will come. They must come. Because they test our resolve, our loyalty, our dedication, our persistence, our character, our love for God and his people. And unfortunately, many times the sand ballots are closer than you think. But don't get discouraged. The sand ballots must come. If they didn't, it would be too easy. You guys here today? Sand ballots. Say sand ballot. Woo! If you have a daughter and she brings home a boy named Sanballat, ask a lot of questions. Don't let him out of your sight. Show him your sword collection, if you got one, before you let him into your life. I actually did that. I have one sword in my office. Years ago, when a young man wanted to court our daughter. Court. That's what we call it, court. You know, she's like 16. I'm like 15. I'm sorry. It's real old-fashioned. You're court, court her. That means court means you go out with friends. You know, we, this thing rolls out slow. But I just kind of let him see the big sword I have in my, the big sword in my office. You want to hold it? You can hold it. Sure. S- simply for intimidation, that's it. And respect. Sand ballot came to fight, but not the normal kind of fight. Here's a little advice. If you ever have to defend yourself, never fight the guy whose nose is crooked, ears have bite marks, face is covered with scars, patch over his eye because he's a fighter. Look for the dude with the perfect hair, pearly white teeth, smooth lotion-treated hands that have been recently manicured. Fight that dude. He never fights. I think Sandballot was that kind of guy. All talk and no fight. All bark and no bite. And this is exactly how the devil is. The Bible says the devil roams around like a roaring lion. Did you get that? Like a roaring lion. In other words, he's like one, but he's not one. Come on. Did you hear that? He's like one. But he's not one. He uses his words, his roar, his arrogance to intimidate us. He has a bark, but he does not have a bite. His teeth have been removed. He's been stripped of his weapons, but but he's really good. He's really, really good at distributing propaganda, lies, accusations, with fear and intimidation. He's good at it. Listen, I've only been around for about 50 years. 
doggone it. I keep telling, I have to tell the truth now. <clears throat> He's been doing this for thousands. Same devil, right? Same, same demons. They're not creating other demons. They're the same fallen angels that fell. They've been doing it for a thousand years. So, so in a sense, I'm not, I'm not being like, I'm not telling uh, the devil that he's, he's not, he's, he's very conniving and clever. Just know that. But yet he's been completely stripped of his power, my friends. He is not a lion. He's like a lion who spreads propaganda. By the way, if you're into military history, you'll find that when, before a, 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 a nation takes over another nation, they start with propaganda. They drop leaflets into yards that speak fear, lies, doom, with the goal of infiltrating and demoralizing the people. Today, he does that mainly through the internet. See, when, when, when there's a leaflet, when there's something dropped in your yard, some word that's not from God, some accusation, lie, rip that thing up as quickly as you can. Don't grab it. Oh, what's this? I don't know. Let's bring it inside the house. No, 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 no. Get that thing out of there. But listen, when you are attacked by the enemy, listen, it means that you're probably doing something right. Jesus said, blessed are you when they say stuff about you, when they persecute you, when they gossip about you. He said, be happy about it, right? Easier said than done. I'm more aware of the devil's schemes these days as God sets people free, as he heals people. The devil will rear his head to try to discourage me. My advice, don't abandon the mission. Don't come down from the wall. Don't give in to a scheme. Stay focused on the work, the plan God has set before you. Amen? You guys still here? I've noticed when adversity comes, I either react or I respond. I can make a rash decision or a wise decision. Reacting says, let's fight. Responding says, let God fight. Reacting says, let's push. Responding says, let's pray. React or respond. React or respond. I've been in both camps. I'm learning there's a better way, right? <laughs> there's a better way. I was proud of myself the other day. We have a washer that's on its last uh, legs, or whatever those things are, pegs in the bottom. The, 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 I, the, the bearings in it are, have, something is just worn out. The thing, when, it, when it spins on that cycle, in the finishing cycle, it sounds like a thousand screaming cats. So we shut the door. We're going to get one eventually. Just getting the most out of it I can. So this, this literally sounds like a thousand screaming cats. You got to shut the door because you can't hear. It's just really loud. And so we shut the door. And all of a sudden, in the middle of the cycle, 
we hear a cat, one cat, Zoe, the cat that we have, like meowing like she's never meowed before. In a weird kind of meow, like a not good meow. And I didn't, I was like, I kind of knew that, okay, something is, it's not bad. But Emily, she reacted, she jumped up, she thought that cat was inside the washer. <laughs> Seriously, she did. She thought, and I, th I thought, how would you even, that thing sounds like a thousand scream cats. And that cat, you could hear the cat was screaming, but she wasn't screaming like that. And I've never seen, I've, I, I rarely see Emily. I mean, she was frantic. She didn't know what to do. She went inside looking for the cat. I knew the cat wasn't spinning around at 55 miles an hour. I knew it. She, I was just watching her. I was, I, I was responding. She was reacting. Now, was it because that I've been tormented by six by cat for 16 years? Was it because Zoe has tormented me for 16 years that I didn't care? And that she would have come out of that cycle nice and fluffy and clean? Maybe. But I, I, listen, I know I'm going to get emails from cat people. Cat people love cats. I'm not against cats. Just this one. She literally, Emily knows this, she torments me. She torments me every day torments me. Um, but, but it was just kind of a funny moment where I was really proud of myself that, that I didn't, um, I didn't uh, re react. I just surveyed the situation, knew she wasn't spinning around at 55 miles an hour in that, in that drum. And there she was. She was just really loud for her. She wanted to get out of there. React or respond? See, but many times when facing adversity, I don't want to hear this. This adversity is an opportunity for my blessing. Just get me out of it. The pressing is for the blessing, right? The fire will get you higher. Be quiet. That may be right, but it still hurts. But the underlying truth is, whenever I'm going through adversity, my reaction, listen, is an indication of how I am handling adversity. And God desires to mature me in a certain area of my heart and soul because there were times when I reacted and times when I responded, and I found that responding is always the better way. And the follower of Jesus has this element or advantage that others don't have, the Holy Spirit. We have peace through the Holy Spirit when adversity comes, self-control when it comes, even joy in the middle of it, showing us that we can smile in the middle of a trial. Sand ballots are going to come. Sand ballots are going to come. They must come. Sand ballot. Say sand ballot. Man, he was a thorn in Nehemiah's side. But thorns are the evidence of God's calling in your life. And thorns are a platform for his power and grace. Thorns are a platform for his power and grace. So what do I do when adversity comes, Pastor Dan? Great question. First, don't run, don't hide, because many times the way out is through. The way out is through. I'm not sure if we have those points, but I, I think I'm just going to say them. The way out is through. 
facing it head on. It's common for most of us to run. We want, to, we want our problems to just disappear, but, but that rarely, if ever, works. We're actually called to face adversity. James 1, 2 through 4 says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Oh, really? When you face, listen, say face, face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, so let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Because if I avoid the problem, I actually stay in it longer. Is this speaking to anybody here? It's just me. Usually I'm talking to Chad the other day, and Chad was telling me about buffalo versus cattle. He says, when a storm comes, cattle walk with the storm, but buffalo will head into the storm and therefore shorten the storm. A little tip from our friendly neighborhood buffalo. Because many times the way out is through. It's just through. It's through. And what else when facing adversity, Dan? What else when the sand ballots of life show up? Nehemiah shows us right here. I'll give you three quick things. We'll be done. Nehemiah 2.19. He says, I replied, the God of heaven will help us succeed. Nehemiah gives us a profound truth when facing adversity. Make it about him. Say, make it about him. Turn to your neighbor and say, make it about him. Too many times we make our challenges about us and not about him. Come on. We say, what will I do? How can I fix this? How will I make this right? That's a common mistake. We should say, God, what are you going to do about this? God, how are you going to fix this? God told Isaiah this when he, when he was facing adversity. Isaiah 41.10, don't be afraid for I am with you. Don't be discouraged for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. We put way too much pressure on us. We put way too much stock in our own ability. Like I said last week, I'm Dan, but he's the great I am. Make your trouble, your trial, your adversity about him, not you. That's what Nehemiah did. Matthew 11, 20 through 30, I love this. Then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, Jesus, said, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. When adversity comes, we have a tendency to carry it, and then we bury it. 
my advice, bring it to him. Leave it with him. Make it about him. Say, make it about him. And when facing adversity, make it about under. Say, make it about under. Oh, there's no, that's what I forgot. There's no, uh, no. say, make it about under. Nehemiah is showing us what James would teach us hundreds of years after when he said, humble yourselves before God. He's really saying, come under God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. This is a surefire way to overcome the enemy, under God. I love that we live in a democracy. It's great, right? We have so much freedom in this democracy. But actually, as Christians, we live in a theocracy under God, right? Do we realize that? Like, we, we, we live in a different, under a different government, under God. Make it about under. Look how Nehemiah responds. I replied, the God of heaven will help us succeed. We, his servants. We, his servants. That's what he said. He was saying, I'm under God, period. He was saying, we are under God, period. He could have said nothing. He could have said, do you know who I am? He could have said, I'm going to tell my big brother on you. No. He says, we, his servants, we are under God. You know you're under God when you're thinking of others more than yourself. You know you're under God when you're examining your own hearts rather than everybody else's. You know you're under God when the enemy starts to flee, when strife ceases, when peace rules your heart, when grace is obvious, when love is pure, and when God, Jesus, is lifted high. Makes sense, right? If Jesus is lifted high, I must be underneath him. So position yourself under him, under his mighty power, under his mercy, under God. Say under God. Make it about under. You don't have to struggle anymore with wanting to be top dog looking down. Because I found out when I rise up, I eventually fall down. But when I come under, God lifts me up. James 4.10, be willing to be made low before the Lord and he will exalt you. Ooh, you're quiet today. Is this sinking in all right, Dana? Yeah. I said before, you know, for me, the big thing about, about being under God wasn't just give my heart to Jesus. It was, it was getting married, having kids, and, and a dog and two cats. Humbling. Because I... Didn't know what I was doing most of that stuff. <laughs> but God has taught me along the way, pastoring, come on, just all the way through life, whatever it is. Make it about under and lastly, listen, make it about the truth. It is the truth that will set you free. It is the truth that will set me free. So when in a battle, when adversity comes, don't throw in the towel, throw in the truth. 
Declare his promises when you're in a fight. Dig into his word when the enemy rears his head. Find the truth about your situation and begin to see it, say it, speak it out loud. This is so important. Look what Nehemiah declared. Nehemiah 2.20. I replied, the God of heaven will help us succeed. We, his servants, will start building this wall, but you, Sanballat, have no share, legal, right, or historic claim in Jerusalem. I don't hear any maybe in there. It's like, a, it's a yes and a no. Yes, we will rebuild this. Yes, God will rebuild it. We will rebuild it. And no, you need to get out of here. Do you remember what we talked about regarding the mission of the Holy Spirit a few weeks ago? He convicts those who are separated from God. That was they. He convicts those of us who are his, into righteousness, and he reminds the devil of his future. Now remember, this is the work of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes, one thing he'll do is remind the devil of his future, of his judgment, right? So in facing a trial, don't forget to remind the devil of his future. Amen? That's okay. Because when he comes, he comes loud, boisterous, proud, arrogant. He accuses. Come on, this is, he tries to intimidate. That's what he does. He intimidates. That's what he comes. Big, 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 big. You have no inheritance. You have no rights to be here in my home right now. You have no right to mess with my marriage. You have no right to mess with my kids. With my, you have no right to mess with my mind. You're already judged. You're defeated. Jesus defeated you. And even more importantly, don't forget to remind yourself of your inheritance, your God-given authority, your legal rights given through Jesus. Don't forget verses like this in Romans 8, 37. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I thought, how can you be more than a conqueror? You came in, you conquered, everybody saw it. And no, no, but, but apparently you're going out with some more stuff. Apparently you're going you're gonna to take what the devil stole from you. One moment, I got to back up for a second because I got to show you something that God showed me weeks ago and I'm just going to deliver it right now. It's in Proverbs 6.31. If you have that verse, Proverbs 6.31, put it up a moment. This is going all the way back to the beginning of the message that I thought I was going to share this as a word up front, but it, now it comes here. Proverbs 6, 31, if you've got it there, go ahead and show it. You see it there? Go right to the beginning, Xavier. You got it? Awesome. Bring it. Boom. Look at this, you guys. Come on. But if he is caught, this is a thief, talking about a thief, he must pay back seven times what he stole even if he has to sell everything in his house. Say if he is caught or when he is caught. 
Because when the enemy infiltrates our life, when he gets through the breach in the wall, when there's a gate open, come on, and he tries to come into our home, and it seems like he's, he's driving a wedge in between a relationship, he's trying to get into our kids' lives, right, into the church, whatever it is, come on, when he, when he does that, this is an indication, this is an indication that we need to catch him. Because if he is caught, if the thief is caught, he must pay back seven times what he stole. This is a word for someone here today. I don't know, someone here today who's been just going through it. You've just been going through it. And I'm going to challenge you today to apprehend that thief. I'm going to challenge you today to go and apprehend that thief, the, what he's been doing in your life. Is that biblical? Yeah, well, it's right there. Where's the precedence? Everywhere in the Bible. After coming out of Egypt, God's people were loaded down with provision. After defeating their enemies and taking their land, David and Joshua took the plunder. We see Jesus setting people free all over the place, giving, giving them back their lives. When the thief of confusion, delusion, and destruction was apprehended. John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come to give life and life abundantly. Here's the question, what has the thief stolen from you and where is he right now? Is he hiding out in your life, in, in your home, probably in plain view, if we think about it? He knocked on your door with some propaganda and all of a sudden we're like, oh, come on in with a lie. And all of a sudden, you had a spare room, I had a spare room, and next thing you know, went to Ikea and bought him some furniture. And now he's, come on, set up camp. I don't know if this is for anybody. The verse says, if you catch him, see, you can catch him red-handed, you thought your financial troubles were your fault. Your marriage trouble was your doing. Your family and kids trouble because of past mistakes. No, maybe it's a thief that needs to be apprehended today. All we got to do is look back, sometimes look back at generations like, oh my goodness, man. My dad struggled with this. My grandpa struggled with this. What in the world's going on? That's a thief. That's a thief. He got in the home. He got in there somehow. And But, but listen, if... Say if. If the thief is apprehended. Now he's not only caught, he must pay back Kevin seven times. Seven times. Seven times, you guys. I didn't write that. God did. Would you today, I say this lovingly, take, ask God, God, is there a thief? Is there a thief in the midst? Why does this thing keep happening? What, what, what's happening? Come on, is there a thief? Listen, go track him down. Track him down. Take your rightful authority over him. Because the truth is, you are more than a conqueror. You're not only going to go in and conquer that thief, you're going to take back more. You're going to take back seven times. Come on, you guys. Come on. Right? Haven't you had enough? 
That slew foot getting in. Make it about the truth. Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And one more, Romans 8, 31. What should we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? But PD, when trouble came, I fell. I failed. I made a mistake. Well, join the club. Join the club. But just because you fell doesn't mean you quit. Just because you caved in doesn't mean you gave up. Just get back up and get going. A righteous person falls seven times and gets back up again. Make it about the truth. You're the head and not the tail. You're above and not beneath. You are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. And with God, all things are possible. Come on, make it about the truth. If you want to overcome adversity, make it about Him. Make it about under and make it about the truth. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you, God, for, oh, goodness, your truth, God. Today we, we heard a lot of stuff. We saw some stuff in the Word. Maybe you've never seen it before, God. But thank you for the word. Jesus, you're the word. You're the word. And I thank you, God, whatever was spoken today by you, Holy Spirit, that that is what we needed. That's what the individual, the person needed today. And I just say, take that, put it in your heart. Walk out of this place. Knowing that God is with you. And you are more than a conqueror. And you don't have to let adversity overwhelm you. You can face it with God. With God. And with the peace that passes understanding. And with the pure love of the Lord. And with hope in your heart. Thank you, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen. All right. Love you guys. Have a great day. Enjoy your family. And we'll see you soon. Our prayer team is up here to pray for you if you need anything. God bless you. We're honored that you are with us today. Please connect with us because we want to get to know you. Head to our website, getreslife.org. That's G-E-T-R-E-S-L-I-F-E dot org. And like us on Facebook, Resurrection Life Church Cadillac, for upcoming events and information and ways to connect. God bless you and have a beautiful week.